be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tung. Hello and welcome to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insight into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show today, Jonna Dut, who has written a book called White Lie, and the second edition has just come out, and I'm looking forward to a really interesting and fascinating discussion with Jonna. Welcome to the show. Well, hi, hello, how are you doing? I'm really well, thank you, and you? I'm fine, thank you. Now, I know that Jeanne Dute is not your actual real name. It's your nom de plume for your writing, and it's an interesting name. So perhaps we should start by getting you to tell us uh, the meaning of that name and why you've used it. Well, it's an interesting story. Um, I didn't want to use my own name because the subjects of the book are a little bit touchy, and I was a bit afraid to use my own name. So I thought, why not use a, a nom de plume? And I thought about this for a little bit, and then I realized that um, thanks to my father, um, he told me that uh, we, we actually came from France. And I started to do some research, and I found out that our name at that time in the 14th century was Dout. So I thought, hmm, that would, that would be a, a really nice nom de plume, actually, but I would have to change my first name uh, in, into French as well. So I changed my name into Jeanne, which is a literal translation of my real name. So Jeanne Dut was born. And when you do translate that into English, what does it mean? Oh, um, Dut comes from the 1st of August. Um, it's the, the, the best grain of that month that would be harvested at that time. And um, apparently uh, the family has been into farming huge, huge uh, qualities, uh, quantities of land. And um, there were counts, and they were sort of landlords. And um, the name was changed uh, literally to the one I have right now. My real name is a literal translation of Dote. So it's actually called August after the, after the grain. Well, what an interesting... Uh synchronistic connection you've got going here. Yes. And so, so you're not from France, um, but you're now living there. 
Yeah, like in the in the footprints of my ancestors, actually. So yeah. also to honor my ancestors because they they really went through bad times. They fled to the north because of the religious wars. So let's uh, let's talk about the book White Lie and uh, and and what. Just tell us a little bit about uh, what it's about. Well, this is about a group of people who get into something much much bigger than themselves. Um, they are researchers of biblical history, mainly the New Testament, and they have uh, found somebody, a professor, who created uh, a time travel device by using the wormhole technique. And they travel back into time and they find out what really happened in the first century in, in Jerusalem. So this is an interesting topic that I've always wanted to write about. And, and so also... Another person from the past was brought to the present, and that is Otto Rahn. And Otto Rahn has become one of the main characters in the book. So who is Otto Rahn? Well, he was a relic hunter and a researcher in the early 1930s, so just before the Second World War. And he now is called the real Indiana Jones because he was a little bit like Indiana Jones. And uh, his history and the books he has written on the, the, the history of Europe and the history of the Cathars of the south of France uh, has gone into history. And these books have inspired me. And I realized that Otto Rahn was the missing link to complete my story. So the funny thing is that I wasn't looking at Otto Rahn at first when I started writing, but somebody sent me his books just like that. And I don't know where he is right now anymore, the, the person that sent me the books of Otto Rahn. But I have them now, and I've, I've read them all. And I've read all the work that has been written about Otto Rahn. And he was actually the missing link for my book. So I used uh, the, the knowledge that Otto gave us through his books, but also the mysterious life that he has led as a relic hunter coming here in, in Occitania, in the south of France, in search of the Grail. So this was a, a unique um, point uh, to make, uh, especially because the Knights Templar, the, the, you know, the warriors of the Pope, um, they also claim the large part of Occitania as their own. And they were also the ones that um, legend claim found uh, relics like the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Grail underneath the Temple Mount in Jerusalem when they were there on the, in the period of the Crusades. So you add everything up and you, you have this incredible, fast-moving adventure story. And the only thing I had to do was to make all the pieces that I have fit. And that is what actually happened in, in White Lie. And it's an interesting title. Why, why did you choose the title White Lie? Oh, um, I think that is for the reader to discover. <laughs> okay. That, that would be the best thing. So one of the things uh, that interests me, obviously you've done a tremendous amount of, of research into the truth, and you chose to, to write a fictional story, a fast-paced adventure story around that information. So why did you choose to go that route rather than do a researched uh, non-fiction book? Ah. It's fun. It's fun. 
it is such fun to write fiction because you can play with your research. And what I'm trying to do, actually, is to um, inspire people to research the, the things that I've written in the book and find out for themselves what is true and what is just fiction. Because there are fragments of historical truths in there. There are many things, actually, that you can find in books and on the Internet and anywhere you would like to search. These things are, are historic facts. They really did happen. And the only thing I did was add them all up and uh, put them in a fast-moving thriller story because that way you can reach so many more people. There are already so many non-fiction books and they are quite tough to get through sometimes. And I yeah. think it is, is a nice thing for a reader to really be carried away in a, in a fast-moving story rather than having to go through a non-fiction book. So let's talk about uh, the region in France that you, we are talking about. This is Occitania, uh, the Languedoc area of France, uh, yeah. where you now live. And let's talk about it, for, first of all, as a place in terms of the natural beauty of the place and then the great significance that it has historically. Yeah, well, uh, against the background of the Pyrenees and the foothills of the Pyrenees, this is an extraordinary region. I'm completely in love with it. Um, lots of people who visit are completely sold. They, uh, if it was up to them, they would, you know, move house and live here. Um, it's very, very beautiful, and it's serene. And there is a vibration coming off of the earth that people have found... Um, uh, very, very pleasing and convenient for, for a long, long time because in prehistoric times already many people lived here, uh, especially in the region of the Ariège district. Lots of people lived there in the caves and in the summertime they lived on the on the green slopes. So um, from, from the old days onwards, uh, the, the, the Phoenicians, the Greek, the Romans, they all came here. Uh, of course, before that, the Celts, and uh, before the Celts, lots of other people. So that it has been a melting pot of culture all the time for, for many, many, many millennia. And there is a reason for this. Um, not only is this region rich in mineral, um, in all sorts of mineral, metals, minerals, um, sources, um, rivers with uh, very, very healthy qualities, uh, from the sources that bubble up in the river. Um, so altogether, this region has always been a sort of paradise. But everybody wanted to own it. And this is where it all went wrong. Because as a, a melting pot of culture, all those people lived there in, in relative peace for a, for a long, long time. And then religion started to ruin it because the power church try to own everything and everybody. And when you have uh, the early Christianity here and you have the new Christianity who didn't want to hear of the old Christianity, so you had those crusades against Christians as well. And that is the main thing here, I think, um, because of the richness in culture and the richness in, in knowledge and everything that was um, exchanged, people were... Um, teaching each other from all over the place. So you had the Kabbalah, the, uh, the Zohar, uh, lots of knowledge, hermetic teachings. Everything was just given freely. And then, of course, you had Rome. And this was a problem. 
So this is when the Cathars uh, and all the other Gnostic Christian uh, people, and of course also the Jews and the Arabs, had to be destroyed. So that was the early 13th century when that happened, the crusade against the Grail. Uh, that is actually the title of Otto Rahn's book, which was very, very carefully chosen. It was a crusade against the Grail. So let's talk about Otto Rahn uh, a little bit right now, as, as he's come up a couple of times, because um, he uh, was, was part of the Nazi party in, uh, in the mid-1930s and, and in the SS, and as a result, obviously, has a, a, a dubious reputation in some ways. So tell us about Otto Rahn. Otto Rahn was um, somebody who grew up um, mainly after the First World War in Hunger. And the whole country of Germany was in depression. Uh, it was an incredible time for them, a difficult time for them. And he grew up in that period. And he clung uh, at the old tales of the knights of the, um, the round table, the Parsifal stories, the old stories of Wodan and Dolnar, um, the Nordic stories, and he enjoyed going back into the realm of myth and legend. He fled, as it were, from the real world. Uh, of course, he wasn't alone in this. And there were many, many people in, in Germany who enjoyed this. And, um, of course, you had Wagner's Parsifal, and you had the Parsifal story of Wolfram von Eschenbach, and they were quite popular in those days in Germany. So, he decided to become a researcher to find out how much was actually true in this Parsifal story of Wolfram von Eschenbach. So with the Parsifal story under one arm uh, and um, a little bit of money on, uh, underneath his, uh, in his other hand, um, he would travel to the south of France and he would do this uh, from uh, benefits, I don't know how you say this, um, uh, he would get money from the Tula Society to do this, to do research in southern France, to find uh, things like the Grail, to make sure that maybe there is a Grail. So when he did that, he realized that the Cathars uh, were actually the main reason to call it the Grail country, because the Cathars held the, um, the knowledge of the Grail culture. And the grail being the heart, the uh, love, um, everything that is um, pure and divine. So, Jana, I'm going to hold you there because we're coming up to our first break. And we'll return and continue talking about Otto Rahn and the Cathars uh, in the south of France after this break. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. 
Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.petertung.com. We have lots of information there about the work that we're doing in uh, my monthly newsletters, the Landscape Zodiac work. All the radio shows are archived there with descriptions for each of them. And also www.myheartcenteredjourney.com uh, and our ambassadors of light classes. And we actually have one tomorrow on Valentine's Day. And I'll be just bringing everybody up to date with what is happening in the world of consciousness and spirit and how we can... Uh, fulfill our destiny on this beautiful journey that we are on and talking about fulfilling destiny i have with me today jeanne dut who's fulfilling her own destiny in the south of france working with the vibrational frequencies of the grail through her connection to the cathar crusades otto Rahn, and her fast-paced adventure book called white lie so, Jana, before the, the break, you were uh, talking about Ottoran and the connection to the Cathars, and he was doing this research in the 1930s. What, what, what was the essence of what he actually discovered about the Cathars and the Grail Quest? That's an interesting question, because everybody always thinks about um, a Grail Cup, a material thing. Um, of course, there is a possibility that there is a material cup, because that was something that they used to use in those days in, in that region of the Near East. However, uh, there is also another uh, possibility, and maybe it's not or-or, maybe it's and-and. Um, the Cathar culture is all about the heart. It's about love. The Cathars were very, very um, into medicine and into... Um, they considered being a pure being like the Essenes did in, in, in the Near East and Northern Africa. Um, the Essenes were pure, based on pure life. They wanted to purify themselves of all the, the weaknesses of a human being. And that is exactly what the Cathars have done as well. So you find out that there is a connection between the Gnostic Christians, the Essenes and the Cathars and that the Grail culture actually is all about the heart, about living with love, living with your heart. 
and let your heart rule. And this is um, the church of uh, Amor, and it opposed the church of Roma. So I think um, Otto was very, very much taken with this culture because that was all he was about. Otto was a very, um, how do you say that, sensitive person. He was a sensitive person. He loved animals. He loved nature. He loved hiking. Um, he loved people. So he didn't like the Germany that it was slowly becoming uh, during the 1930s. He really wanted to get away. So he took every opportunity to go to France or to go to the Alps or anywhere else than Berlin. So um, he loved doing research. And he realized that the Cathars and uh, the Grail were actually just um, a way of explaining the life with your heart. Now, he did some hiking on uh, Montségur, which is probably the most famous of the Cathar uh, retreat castles. Yeah. Uh, what what did he discover there? Well, nothing um, nothing of real value. Maybe just bits and pieces that um, that are now in the museum. Uh, bits and pieces of what the people used to use, like scissors and uh, bits of pots, pottery. Um, maybe a, a coin or two. Not not much. He didn't find uh, a, a Grail cup, as it were. But what he did find and that is through reading books um, at a friend's house called Antonin Gadal. Uh, Antonin Gadal was a Rosicrucian, and he had a library, and he was very, very um, into the Cathars and also into the Rosicrucians, which is interesting. And Otto Rahn was a frequent guest uh, of Antonin Gadal. And Otto read a lot of books on the subject, and he talked to a lot of people that are living in the, in the region, and uh, he found out that the grail wasn't really a cup, but maybe it was a stone. Maybe it was a stone of a certain uh, vibration. Maybe it was radioactive. Maybe it gave light at dark, when it was dark. And maybe it was a green stone. So he was researching the whole story and legend about Lucifer and the crown and the stone that fell from the crown of Lucifer, the fallen angel. So this is really hermetic teachings. This is not literally, but figuratively speaking, um, the earth being formed, the mat material world um, opposite to the spiritual world. So you have the material and spiritual balance of existence. And this is something that you learn in the hermetic teachings. You learn, as it were, physica and metaphysica. And that is the, the, the thing that Otto learned here in Occitania when he lived here, because he lived there for, you know, sometimes six months at a time. So he really could do his share of research. So was there any indication of what the, green, the glowing green stone might have been made of? Well, that is the thing. We have our, uh, we have our ideas about what it might have been. Maybe it was... Uh, a certain stone that would bleed. Maybe it was another different uh, stone. But there are different stones here in Occitania that maybe they are part of a meteor. Right. And yeah. the meteor crashed into the earth and um, 
into a million pieces and then, you know, the river took it and washed it into caves. So that is a long, long time ago. This is millions of years ago. So when you um, you, you go and um, walk into a cave sometimes, you might find those green stones and the stones that bleed. And the stones that bleed are like a hematite stone. Okay, yeah. You rub them together and you put a little bit of water on it and it's red because of the, you know, the high iron in, in the stone. So uh, it may have been something like that. So if you would have a, a stone big enough to, um, to create a bowl out of and you would rub the bowl with a little bit of rock and you would pour water inside it and it would turn into blood, you could turn water into wine or water into blood and this would be a, a fad ritual, wouldn't it be? Mm-hmm, yeah. So, so there is a, an idea about the grail stone being something like that. Okay. So what happened to Rotoran? Ah, Rotoran, the poor guy, um, he was, of course, drafted to go to... Um, to Buchenwald, which is a concentration camp. And uh, he needed to be there for, uh, you know, everybody who was in the SS needed to be there. And he was there during Kristallnacht. So when a lot of people were murdered and a lot of people were brought into concentration camps, many, many Jews. And, of course, Otto, um, you know, his mother and, and grandfather were Jewish. And uh, he, he saw all that violence in his country. He saw all those people being hurt. And also not just the Jews, but also homosexuals. And uh, as a matter of fact, Otto Rahn himself was a homosexual. Although he didn't show it very much. But he was. So he was actually shown what people did, what Germany did to Jews and homosexuals. And he got scared. And he thought it was in, in, incredible what had happened to the Germany that he loved so much and he wanted to go away so very much. And he, he wasn't allowed to leave Germany. So in 1939, he went into the Alps and he took his own life. And, and I guess uh, a lot of people wouldn't know um, that many of the people with good intentions uh, in the Nazi party who thought that it was a good thing to begin with, got trapped into that situation and not knowing how to, how to get out of it. Exactly. There are so many people in the SS uh, that they really, you know, there was Nazi propaganda. And the propaganda was not the truth. That was a make-believe. You had films showing uh, the SS that everything was perfect. Everything was going to be just perfect. This was going to be a chivalry uh, invented again. It was going to be brilliant. So everybody was brainwashed. And uh, when they found out what was really happening, you know, all the people that were massacred, all the people, all the Jews, uh, the racism, um, everything that was going on in Germany, when people found out, you had lots of people um, trying to run away from the SS, trying to um, leave the country flee, or, uh, you know, many people actually killed themselves just because they couldn't live in the world anymore that it had become. So there's a, there's, there's a weird parallel, isn't there, between what happened to the Cathars in the Crusade and what happened to Otto Rahn in, uh, 
in the 1930s. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very difficult thing to, to really understand properly because you weren't there but I think Otto really went through hell and uh, he loved the south of France and he loved the people there and he loved the, the history of Occitania and the history of the Qatars and um, I think um, it was for him um, as he was interested in mysticism and in Rosicrucianism maybe he was a Rosicrucian um, I'd like to think he was uh, that he chose to, to die on that mountain slope uh, with a smile on his face because when they found his body, he had a smile on his face. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. So we're coming up to our second break, Jana. So we'll take that now. We'll return with Jana Dut talking about the Cathars, southern France, and Otto Rahn. It's Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Having me today, John Adut, who has written a fast paced adventure book called white lie and actually jana you're going on tour very soon to the states tell us a bit about that yes well it's um it's um it's going to be an exciting tour because i'm actually trying to get the book filmed um but i need a literary agent first so i'm i'm going to try and find a literary agent uh, in la um i'm going to meet friends i'm going to do a talk show and I'm going to um, 
LA, Las Vegas, and New York in total for two weeks. Um, I won't be doing much on the basis of lectures or, or book signings or whatever. So it's, it's a very calm trip for me. Meeting friends is the main thing. Doing the talk show is a very, very important thing for me to do. It's a TV talk show in Las Vegas with Sandy Sajbir. And I'm hoping that lots of people will, uh, will come and um, join the audience. And in LA, I'm trying to meet uh, a couple of people who may help me up uh, at least one step on the movie ladder, which is exciting. Yeah, I've actually been on that TV show with Sandy Sedgbeer, the Steve Brothers show. It's uh, it's great fun. You'll enjoy that, Jana. Oh, I'm I'm lo- so looking forward to this one. <laughs> so yeah. uh, let, let, our list, let our listeners know how they can connect with you if they want to get the book or or your work, your information. What what is your contact information, websites, and so on? Um, I would need to spell it. I think. Um, okay, that's fine. The most um, the most easy one to to pronounce would be whitelightpresspage.blogspot.com. This is my press page, <laughs> as okay. you have said. And um, I also have a website called um, jeannedoute.com. And jeannedoute is, of course, the, the name and .com. So that, that's an easy one as well. And I'm also on the International uh, Movie Database, so if you Google Jeanne Dut on imdb.com, you would also find a biography and a demo reel and some photos there. So this so, spells spell Jeanne Dut for us. Um, that would be, I will, I will give it my best. I am Dutch, so I'm going to give it my, my best in English. J-E-A-N-N-E D, comma, A- O-U-T. Okay, great. So you said right at the beginning that, that you one of the reasons you used the number de plume was some of the information is very controversial. So let's talk about the contro- controversial information about the first century Christianity. What have you uncovered there? Well, <clears throat> when I was seven years old, I was in class. And, uh, of course, it was a school that you had a, a Bible class uh, as well. And I found out that there was something, there was a contradiction. And the contradiction, um, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was in the New Testament. And I was sent out of class because I raised my, my finger and I said, that isn't true. And so I was sent out of class. Um, when I came home that night, my father said, why were you sent out of class? And I said, well, give me a Bible. So we found the contradiction. And my father was so proud of me. And from that moment on, I wanted to know what went on in that first century. I, you know, when you get something at school, you trust the teachers to tell you that that is true. But of course, when it comes to religion, that's always a little bit touchy. So I, from seven years old, I, I started to research uh, the first century, everything I could get my hands on. And yeah, the Gnostic Gospels, uh, Narkhamadi, um, the everything that I could get my hands on. And um, eventually, I would slowly get uh, a picture of what really went on in that first century. And I really wanted to put that into writing. And I didn't know how to do it until I started White Lie. And then I knew that I had to write it down as much, uh, you know, 
close as close to the reality as I would dare. Um, in 2001, I joined uh, the Rosicrucian Order, Amorc. Um, they have some Essene scrolls, and the translation into English is extraordinary. Um, I was able to find out a little bit about what happened in the first century, uh, what was really written down in first century scrolls by the Essenes. So I'm, I'm very, very grateful that I was able to read that. And I used it also in, uh, in white light. Of course, this also means that I have revealed some information from a secret order for the first time uh, in, in public. So that was a little bit scary. So talking about touchy subjects, yes, there are a couple of things in white light that will probably give people goosebumps or worse. <laughs> but um, do research it. Because if you, if you research those little things, those little um, details that I've put into um, white lie, then it will take you onto a path uh, that is individual to everybody. It's personal to everybody. Everybody is on their own path. So I hope to contribute to the world with, uh, with white lie. Uh, and I hope to sow a little bit of the seeds uh, so that people can move on and, and try to research a little bit on what really happened in the first century, because it's even more amazing than we think. And one of the beliefs certainly was that uh, Mary Magdalene came to the south of France after whatever did happen around the crucifixion. And yes. having been in that area uh, myself in September, it's, it's pretty obvious that the people there certainly believe that's true. So, so what have you discovered in that area? Well, <clears throat> of course, the, um, the south of France has been called Qatar um, uh, country, um, the country of the heretics. Of course, heretic means uh, the free will to believe whatever you want to believe, free choice. Um, heretics in southern France were very, very much into keeping uh, the knowledge from the first century and what really happened safe. So, of course, in France, you would find lots of clues to what really happened in the first century. And Mary Magdalene coming to France probably is one a very, very important aspect of those uh, detailed um, historical uh, subjects. And in terms of Mary Magdalene herself, uh, in terms of her role and, and who she was, what have you discerned around that? I think she was a teacher. I believe she was a teacher, a very, very powerful teacher. I think she was very, very much specialized in the knowledge of the universe, the heavens, um, astronomy, uh, astrology, um, health. I think she was very much into that. And I think she tried to convey this and teach people to, uh, to keep that knowledge. And I think when she came to France, which, which I think is quite likely... Um, it, all, the, all the things that she taught people must have stayed here you know you, you will find little hints and, and clues in churches that have survived the destruction of um, you know of the south because they have found a very very good way in preserving that, that you know the secret knowledge 
Um, you can put it into art, into statues and paintings, and, and nobody would know unless you really, really look. So the south of France is full of those hints, and I think Mary Magdalene can be found here. There is actually a pregnant Mary Magdalene on the cross. Uh, well, not on the cross, but um, at the cross. Sorry. Um, in Alette Le Bain, in the church in Alette Le Bain. So that is an obvious uh, you know, little detail. So talking about clues and churches, that brings me to Rennes le Chateau and the chapel there, and which is full of clues and and interesting ah. uh, pictures. Have you done some research on that? Well, I am the official uh, one of the official guides in Rennes le Chateau, so I have oh, to. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. I didn't know that. That's one of the the benefits of you know uh, living here and and being a tour guide and, and having to research stuff because otherwise you would have a tour group and the tour group would uh, you know they need information and you want to go as close to the truth as you can and Rendle Chateau of course it's too it, it the, the story is huge it it takes a, a whole chapter. Uh, um, I've tried to explain a little bit about Rennes-le-Chateau in white light, so people who are interested in the enigma of Rennes-le-Chateau and the rich priest and whatever was found underneath the church, um, then uh, I think white light would be a really nice um, start because I've uh, one of the characters in the book is a Rennes-le-Chateau enthusiast, so he shares his knowledge about Rennes-le-Chateau with the other players in the book. Great stuff. I, I, I was, uh, again, there in September, and, and it, when, <laughs> when you're walking around, you just know you're, that, you're, that there's, some, there's some information there which is going to be really helpful for you if only you can work out what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I found a couple of clues that, you know, they just confirm everything. Yeah. So you, you also operate then as a guide in the south of France if people come on tour there, that you, you actually take them to some of the key places in the landscape. Absolutely. I'm, I'm doing individual tours, but also group tours. And there is actually a, um, a group tour organized around the, the story of white light. So you go to all those places in the book, <laughs> which is interesting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's got real potential, hasn't it, as a movie and, uh, uh, and bringing that area of the world into its rightful place of, of a place of great significance. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to do. So, Jono, we're coming up to our final break, and we'll take that now. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. 
Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I have with me today, Jana Dut, who has written a great adventure story called White Lie. And she's been sharing with us some of the bits and pieces that uh, are in the book, focused around the south of France, Occitania, the Cathars, Otto Rahn, uh, what really happened in the first century Christianity. And in terms of the story, it's a great story to follow, and there's lots of um, pithy, detailed information in there, Jana. But I know uh, in the end, behind it all, there's a, there's a deeper message for all of us today. And so... When we look back in history at what took place then, obviously it's a sort of a mystery to a certain degree, but within it there's the opportunity to see how we should be living our lives in the world today. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about the real deeper meaning of why this book needed to be written and what, and what your intention is. Well, this world is very, very much uh, based on possession uh, about um, Everything that you can possess, which is power, property, people. And I think that if you strip it down to love, that love is, you know, has nothing to do with possession uh, or religion. It has nothing to do with it. Love is very, very pure. So when you have a system like the Cathars had around love, there would be no property, there would be no possession. You wouldn't own people, you wouldn't own land. Because, you know, the human race, is a, we're a funny bunch. We chop up the world, we take possession of it, we chop up the heavens, and we take possession of it. And you can only enter heaven when you're a member of this exclusive club. So I think when we, when we get rid of possession altogether... You get rid of capitalism. You get rid of a world system that just doesn't work. It won't work. We are going to um, collide with fate this way. So I think it is important for the, for the entire planet to realize, especially the Western culture, because, you know, you say the, the entire world, but there are lots of people who do not live with possession. But the Western world is living with possession and capitalism. And I think we should um, take that off and forget about ego, forget about possession, and concentrate on love. How can you help? How can you make a change in the world 
um, by being light. If you have a candle in a dark room, the dark room is no longer dark, you know. Um, only light can, can, can do that. And only love can change uh, the entire planet. Only love can change people from the inside out. So when you are that light, when you are um, inhaling love and exhaling love, then I think the world will be a better place uh, very, very soon. And I think there is a movement going on. And there are lots of people who are beginning to realize that, you know, um, this isn't about us now on this planet. There is something much, much bigger going on. Now, in, in the book, or near the end of the book, one of the characters, Alfred, creates a website which is connected to the uh, hermetic teachings that you've been uh, mentioning. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and so that, that's not a fictional website. That's a real website, isn't it? Well, I thought, let's make a real website. <laughs> okay. I thought that would be a good idea. So if people would read the book and they think, hmm, let's see if that URL really works. Yes, it works. So tell and, us what it is. Well, it, it's, it's about the universal temple. It's about Alfred's wish to create a universal temple that has no membership because you are a member the moment you start behaving properly. So this is the trick. It's all. Um, I'm going to read it from from the website on. So it's uh, it's on the website. This is all about opposing and resisting within ourselves our negative emotions: hatred, intolerance, jealousy, greed, egoism, violence, force, addictions, anger, indulgence, and extremism. We must overcome these negative emotions within ourselves and replace them with positive emotions which we, we call the seven pearls of the universal temple. And they are love, understanding, compassion, tolerance, peace, to find inner balance, service, how can you help, and soul growth through study and conduct. So I think these are, are very significant uh, details. And I think if everybody would just go through the day from the moment they get out of bed in the morning um, and just be a light, be love, exhale love into the world, I think the vibration of the planet will go up. I think the 21st of December was a great example. How much love went into the atmosphere on that day, you know, 24 hours. That was incredible. I think it changed uh, the, the ripple that we uh, feel in, in the atmosphere. It's interesting that whether, whether it was a special date or not, it became one, didn't it? Because there was such a strong intentional focus on that, on that day that the, the, the number of members of humanity coming together in that coherent focus of love was just phenomenal. Oh, yes. I think that, I, you know, if there are people out there on other planets, they will have picked it up. <laughs> that was so powerful. That was so powerful. I, I felt it really, really strong, and I think a lot of people felt it really, really strong. So that website actually is sionuniversaltemple.com. Why is the word Sion so important in your work, S-I-O-N? Ah, well, it's, um, it's the old word for center. So center, this is what it is all about to get back to your center, to get back to the center of the universe, to the center of your existence. So Sion, 
is is just another word for center. So we're almost at the end of the uh, the show, and I really have appreciated it. It's a really interesting um, way of going about this work, and I really uh, wish you well on your tour and, and the book itself. And it would be fantastic if a movie gets made out of it, won't it? Oh, that that would be a, a dream come true because I'm I'm willing to be flexible about the story, but I need the message to be there. I need the yeah. message to come out. So it it would be a, a fast moving adventure movie with a difference it would really sow thoughts in people about conduct and choice so Jana, just give us uh, your blog spot again so that people can go there if they want to connect with you yeah that, that is my press page it's called um, widelightpresspage.blogspot.com brilliant okay well I hope you have a great time in, in the states and uh, I wish you well with, uh, with your endeavours to come thank Thanks you so, so much so that, thanks so much for joining me today. Um, thank you for having me. And for those people who have not been to this area of the world, I strongly urge you to go. I'm actually going to be returning there myself uh, in a couple of months. And it's a very, very special place, wonderful energy. And as Jana was explaining to us, all sorts of interesting elements to, to help us really think through what really took place uh, from the first century through the Cathar right up to the present day. It's a, it's a fascinating place. My guest next week, or my guests actually next week, I'm really looking forward to this show, are Susie Miller and Bill Tiller. And they are working together on an intention experiment using Bill's incredible understanding of consciousness and Susie's ability to work with autistic children. And they've already started a project to create an intention within the homes of about 100 families that have autistic children within the family. And they're going to be talking about that project and what the results have, uh, have revealed so far in their work. It's going to be a really interesting blend of science, spirituality, and, and finding a way to help these children be present in our world and, and comfortable to be so. So hopefully you will enjoy that show next week. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Have a wonderful week. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.